here we are. It's season two. It's episode 27 of the Write Write Podcast, your weekly pep talk on living the writing life. My name is Elon. My name is John. And I'm Craig. And today we're going to be talking about our toolboxes. And, uh, you know what we mean. We're not, we're not, there's no, like, metaphor joke here. We're literally talking about the stuff we used to write. Um... And that's pen and paper, that's Scrivener, that's Microsoft Word, that's, for some people, that's Ulysses, for some people, that's Aeon Timeline, for some people, that's literal note cards, for some people, that is uh, text edit, or if you're George R. R. Martin, that weird, like, MS-DOS app that he uses, you guys know about that? Yeah, he's he's got his technology from... Yeah, he, he writes in, in, like, in, in, like, BIOS, like, he... <laughs> he, he writes using a very, very old piece of software, and it's kind of like a... It boggles the mind that, that, that that's what he does, but good for him, uh, I suppose. Anyway, so we're going to talk about the whole thing. We're going to talk about the different tools we use. We're going to talk about things like uh, voice recorders if you take audio notes. We're going to talk about lap desks if you like writing that somewhere that isn't a desk. Um, so to begin, I think each of us should say what our absolute must-have tool is, like the tool we could not possibly write without. Would you I'm like me be, to start? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be lame and say it's Microsoft Word because uh-huh. I hate Word. Most writers hate Word, but it's my absolute must, and that's because I write between several computers. Like, I'm not supposed to write at my day job, but like most writers, I do. Um, so if I have, I can't install Scrivener on my work computer, so I always work in Word so that I can send it back and forth between computers. And so my other must-have is Dropbox or some other type of online cloud storage system. I used to email files back and forth to myself, but then my inbox is cluttered with like 10 versions of my document, where it's much easier to just upload it to the cloud, so I've always got the most uh, current one there. So yeah, I'm pretty basic, Word and Dropbox. I'd say Scrivener's mine, because uh, ever since I picked it up, it's changed how I write, and... Um, I'm looking at getting a new computer, and the big resistance right now is I'm just afraid of how's how's how am I going to transition over? Am I going to get my Scrivener on there? What if it, what if all the files corrupt or something like that? So you know, thinking about the fact that I feel like my I can't move on to another computer because I'm afraid of my writing quality going down. I think Scrivener would be my Achilles heel. That's really interesting. Uh, for me, it, it is also Scrivener. Um... I discovered it a number of years ago, and I've since started using it in every single writing context of my life. I use it to manage my blog, uh, my book review blog. I use it at work. Um, I use it to uh, write all of my fiction. I, I just love it. I think it's I think it's the bee's knees. Um, and I use Dropbox to keep it. Uh, where, uh, uh, Scrivener actually plays really nice with Dropbox. Uh, they they've built Dropbox's syncing API into the app itself so that the mobile apps and the computer apps all talk to each other very friendly like so if you make changes on your mobile device with the scrivener file open on another computer you can press mobile sync and it'll download all the text that you just it's very very cool uh so i think i'm between the two of you i need scrivener and dropbox uh to be happy um but that being said i mean there's a lot of different tools that i use i don't know if that's the case for you guys but um i I happen to love writing uh, with pen and paper. Um, I, a friend of mine a while back clued me into the process of sort of, uh, I don't know if totemizing is a word or if it's even the right word I should use, but 
uh, of creating a sort of uh, a, a device through which he uh, like channels his focus. So he had a special notebook and a special fountain pen, and those were the things that got him in the zone. If he had his special pen in his hand and his special notebook, and that was for the things that he had invested with his intention as a writer, no matter where he was or what he was doing, he could write. Um, and he gave me a suggestion like, hey, you know, maybe you should try picking up a fountain pen and a notebook. Uh, it's, it's pretty cool. Like, it feels nice to write with a nice writing instrument in a, on, on some really nice paper. Uh, and I've since become, like, obsessed with collecting fountain pens and fancy notebooks. Um, and there is something really special about the way a pen, the way a fountain pen in particular, I think, scratches... Uh, scratches its way you know on a page and the way you can watch the capillary action pulling ink down and you can sort of see this very physical beautiful process of of your abstract thoughts becoming glyphs becoming words becoming concepts and there is something that is inherently beautiful about that um so like second to just the efficiency and total like technical overload that is scrivener i think that writing with pen and paper is just it's just magical it's so it's so great. I couldn't. I can't recommend it enough. It's super inconvenient because you have to then transfer it to digital media, but I think it's worth it for just the sheer joy of writing by hand. Normally, I don't like writing by hand, but you did an amazing job of describing that. Like, I want to go to Staples now and buy a notebook and a pen. It's awesome. Like, especially these like fountain pens. Uh, there's something about them, I think, in particular that makes that makes writing with them pleasurable. Um, it's it's so many different things, but I, I absolutely love it. And uh, I'm about to take a trip. Well, as of the playing of this recording, I will be in Europe for a combination of the Writing Excuses Cruise and Worldcon. Um, and for that trip, for this trip that I'm on now, uh, I purchased a set of like travel inks and I've selected my travel pens and I've got a little stack of travel notebooks, even though I'm bringing my computer and like everything else that I need to write technologically, I am bringing like a ton of stuff to write by hand, uh, because in, in different seminars, I think writing by hand, there's a different, it's a, it's a different like neural path uh, that helps you, uh, recall information. It, it's all, it's, your brain does it differently when you type and when you write. Uh, it turns out, I don't know the science behind it, but I'd love to look into that, uh, as well as the other scientific things I'd like to look into from our podcasts. But I know that there is something to be said for the physical act of writing as opposed to the physical act of typing when it comes to retaining information. Um, if anyone wants to geek out about fountain pens and ask for recommendations for like starter pens and notebooks and stuff like that, feel free to hit me up on Twitter, uh, at bonbonilon or at warbler underscore books, because I will stop ranting about fountain pens now. <laughs> okay. Uh, I don't really use much beyond word and Dropbox. I do use Scrivener, but I use it more for the publishing side of stuff because Scrivener makes really good eBooks really easily. Um, so it is a good tool. Um, but I do want to mention, I guess, two tools that I probably should look into at some point. Um, I do think I need a lap desk because my laptop is really slow to start up now, so I don't actually turn it off anymore. So it gets really hot really fast. And a lap desk, I almost said lap dance. A lap desk <laughs> would uh, stop my thighs from getting burned. Yeah, it's, uh, it's super bad for you, actually, to have like a really hot computer on your lap. Uh, yeah. There's there are a number of really good options for lap desks. Uh, I 
I bought a few because I was investigating that as a as a way of life. Um, there's lap desks, lap desks that have kind of like the padded bottom, like a pillow. And then yep. there's the ones that are kind of like a breakfast and bed tray as well. Um, and they both have their advantages. I've actually ended up using the one that I bought that's like the breakfast and bed tray as an impromptu standing desk because I've discovered that if I put it on top of my kitchen counter, um, it is the perfect height for a standing desk hmm. for me. Okay. So I've been using it that way. Um, yeah, lap desks are really cool too. It's it's yeah. weird to... It's kind of weird to get used to, but once you get used to it, you're like, this is actually really nice. There's a desk on my lap. Um, For me, but it, it does... of uh, junior high homework, because mm-hmm. last time I used a lap desk, so in my mind, it's sort of a kid's thing, but yeah. I have to accept it's for adults, too. Yeah. I used to have one when I was a teenager, and I loved it. I used it all the time. Try. I don't remember what happened to it. I think it's just one of those things that I stopped using and got rid of. Yeah. Well, I think, you know... The I I think that they fell out of out of fashion because of laptops having the name laptop. Honestly, like I don't think a laptop computer is actually that great on your lap. Um, as much as we use it there all the time, like a lap desk makes it a much better experience. And uh, there are times which, though I probably shouldn't do it, I'll have my computer, my laptop, uh, in bed with me, and I'll be writing or surfing the web or doing whatever, just like laying down in bed. And it's always kind of a weird struggle to find the right spot for my laptop to lean and the hinge, like the, the screen's angle and stuff. But like, that's literally what a lap desk is for. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, yeah, we're talking about our toolbox here. And I think talking about posture and work-related injuries, because although, you know, it's a different type of workplace, you can hurt yourself. Oh, uh, yeah. you sitting issues, you can get neck tension issues, back problems, car problems. And one thing that that really was a, a flashing red light for me was sitting, I could, when I started working from home, I would sit on diff- different couches and I have my laptop in my lap and I'm using the, I didn't, you know, you can't really use a mouse if you're on a couch. So I'm using the little scroll pad or whatever, whatever that's called. And I was getting all these issues in the tendons on my finger and uh, my wrist was getting sore and I was always getting these massive headaches and stabbing pains behind my eyes. It was awful. Like I, I didn't know what was going on until I started thinking about it and realizing that is it maybe posture. And like a lot of writers, you're even just sitting for a long time. Mm-hmm. That could be a problem. So in how you, it's important to think about not just what you write with, but yeah. how you how you physically do the, the do the act of writing. I think you're absolutely right. There is a uh, podcast called The Right Gear that is periodically put out by Tempest Bradford where she talks about uh, some of this stuff. She talks mostly about like pens and notebooks, but um, she's also talked about like ergonomic keyboards and mice and uh, these things because uh, they really, really do affect us. If we have day jobs or we're sitting at computers, which a lot of us do, then we like double up on our computer time at night trying to get all of our fiction writing done. And, uh, you know, at, at the last uh, corporate job I held, uh, I had a standing desk and I had sort of like free reign of movement. And so I found that I wasn't really struggling with any body issues because everything was sort of ergonomically tuned and I was being very attentive. But when I was working at the UC Berkeley, they didn't have access to that kind of... Uh, or they didn't, I didn't have access to that kind of desk. Um, and I found myself sitting kind of like in a cramped position all day. And then I would get home and sit in a cramped position again. And I noticed my physical health like begin to deteriorate as a result of sitting all day at work. Um, and as much as it sounds like some like millennial kale smoothie thing, 
uh, sitting down all day at work is like really bad for your body. Um, it's bad not only for, for your lower spine, for your shoulders, for your uh, neck, for your head. It's also really bad for your eyes because you're not giving your eyes a chance to focus on different distance objects. You're getting a lot of, especially blue light, that stuff coming into your eyeballs is, um, it can have like a deteriorating effect on your, on your eyesight. Uh, so giving yourself the, uh, reminder to look away from your screen, to get up, to walk around every few minutes, um, is actually like really important for your physical health. Um, and it can also, for me, it helps to get like ideas going, you know, if, if I'm just like sitting and staring at a blank page or a partially filled page and I need to get up and look around, I'll still think about what I'm working on and maybe something will come to me while I'm taking a five minute walk around the building, um, or while I stretch a little bit, um, and then I'll just like hop right back into work. Uh, so, so yeah, I think that that stuff's really, really, really important, um, to remain mobile at your desk. I know that, uh, Brandon Sanderson, I believe, writes on a treadmill desk at his house, um, which sounds ridiculous, but I bet is awesome. He and said that he, he said he walks like two miles an hour, like a very slow walk, but his body is moving constantly while he's writing. Um, and I think that's awesome. I think that's yeah, really, really cool. His writing, I, like, that's probably, if he didn't have that, I mean, because I think he'll sit down and churn out four to 8,000 words in a, in a given writing session. And mm -hmm. like, unless you're, I mean, if he wasn't moving, that would, that would create problems really fast. So he's, he has a good system. Yeah. I've seen a lot of takes on that too, uh, like treadmill desks or uh, elliptical machine desks or bicycle desks, like uh, stationary bike desks and stuff like that. And I think that there's merit to some ideas over others. Um, yeah. But uh, I actually, I bought recently, um, it's under my desk right now. It's it's like a soft mat for standing on, but it has all of these little uh, like knobs and nodules and massage things for your feet. And the idea is you just kind of like walk around and step on stuff all day. And like you can stretch your calves against one of the surfaces. You can kind of massage the, uh, the ball of your foot on another. Um, I haven't ended up using it that way because I don't have a standing desk arrangement at home. I'm planning on, on building one soon. Um, but, but yeah, it, the, making sure that your workspace uh, is a healthy workspace insofar as making sure that your body isn't sedentary uh, is really important. Because, um, like, no matter your body type, like, sedentary is bad. Um, so, yeah, get your blood flowing, get moving. Moving back to different types of tools, have, have either of you ever tried uh, recording yourselves talking or or using dictation software to write or um, anything like that? I've not, but I was going to say that I want to try a dictation software because sometimes I've got the words in my head, just I'm too lazy to type them hmm. or I'm not in the right zone, but I could speak them. But um, I'm hesitant because I don't want to shell out a bunch of money for a program if I don't like it. Mm -hmm. And then I think you have to train it to your voice, or at least that's how it used to work. Um, and that I don't know how long that takes. Yeah. There's a, alternatively, um, if you don't want to shell it for a program, you can record yourself using any voice recorder and then send that to, there are a lot of really inexpensive uh, transcription companies mm. online. Um, I had a conversation about this with several people in a Slack group because one of the, uh, one of the members of the group is a commuter and she's like, you know, I have all this time in the car and I wish I could be 
spending it a little more valuable, valuably uh, without endangering my life or the lives of others. Uh, and someone suggested that she record her voice while she, while she, uh, while she drive and she can either do um, uh, notes or she can actually record uh, essentially what is, what, is, what would be writing it directly into draft uh, and then subsequently transcribing it. And that has really, really been intriguing to me. Um, like what, it would be pretty cool if you could just kind of like, talk through it and then because like the transcription services online are like a couple dollars for like 20 minutes mm -hmm. like very inexpensive it's it's like grunt labor for 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 like the digital age is just like transcribing audio clips um so if that's the thing that that is that you're curious about you might want to investigate that um actually i know someone who works for one of those transcribing things so i could probably offer him a bit of a better deal than what he gets paid because the people who do the transcribing get paid very little it's not um, it's not uh, glamorous for sure yeah. and so they, that'd be an affordable way to try they get it. paid by the hour but see it's the hour of recording not the hour mm -hmm. of labor. so it yeah. often out to three dollars an hour yeah the uh the audiobook industry has a similar thing where um if you are sort of entering as a novice narrator uh the way that you're paid is by hour of finished uh finished final recording you deliver so an hour of recording depending on uh your abilities as a narrator or the number of takes you have to do or the amount of time you spend editing uh might be an hour and a half to three to four hours of work um and the more work you have to put in the less your hourly rate becomes um so that's a pretty interesting uh, parallel there um so if you become very proficient at it you can actually make uh, a decent living at it but uh as you work up your skill level um you uh you might not uh be really you know flush with cash um so so we've talked about uh tools for writing we've talked about lap desks we've talked about ergonomics we've talked about um about voice recording and transcription uh there are a couple of other things that i wanted to address um and that is uh, mind mapping software and timeline software. Uh, I downloaded a while back, and I've done a bit of using, but I, I haven't used it enough, or perhaps it's just not for me in that sense. But there's an app that Literature and Latte, who makes Scrivener, uh, also made called Scapple. And Scapple is a piece of mind mapping software that you can actually integrate into Scrivener. And so if your version of brainstorming is, you know, you've got an idea and then you just draw a line to it and there's another idea and another idea and you build what's called an, a node-based mind map, uh, you, you, can, uh, you, you, you can sort of have this like large and expanding canvas on which to write ideas of all kinds. Uh, that connect to each other in a variety of ways. And then you can literally import that into Scrivener as a series of note cards. Um, and the irony is that I tried to use that for mind mapping software and ended up using it as a very linear outlining piece of software. I had story and then I had acts and then I had, and I'm, I'm pantomiming this for, for the video feed. I had a story and then beneath it, I had three acts and then beneath those three acts, I had scenes and it, underneath those scenes, I had, uh, point by point outlines and that is like the not intended use <laughs> of that software so i kind of was just like oops uh i guess i won't use it uh but there's another one that i purchased recently that i've heard a lot of writers talking about but i have not used because it's a bit overwhelming called aeon timeline and it allows you to build f like full-on large-scale timelines 
uh, for your stories. You can also use it to, to manage your projects or whatever. But the um, the gist of it is you you can create characters, you can you can draw out character arcs, the amount of time things take, and that way you're always uh, accurately assessing how much time things take in your story. Um, but it also helps as an outlining tool. Uh, are there any tools like that that you guys use? Do you use any mind mapping software or uh, timelines? Do you, do you use timelines in your writing at all? Uh, I don't, not with the fiction that I'm currently writing, but it's something I should look into for future because I'm writing uh, on the back burner. I've got a thriller project going, and those are always very heavily based on like a ticking clock. Mm -hmm. And... I haven't really thought about a timeline software, and so I'm kind of all over the place in terms of what's realistic for time. Yeah, and and just sort of like even accounting for how long it takes characters to do certain things in those environments is really important. Uh, getting from point A to B or something like that. One thing that I use that we haven't mentioned, it's a wiki. I oh. have my wiki. Um, this, I mean, I sort of have turned my Scrivener file into a wiki it just naturally works that way so um i i mean when i wrote blood dawn that was my let's get introduced to scrivener experience and as i wrote i found that you know like every time i'd have world building references i just dumped it at the end of the scene by the time i was like two or three scenes in i had this huge list and i had to put headers on it it was like well, I'm in Scrivener, so why don't I just make a file for each of these things? And what ended up happening is I just had people, places, things, and I, you know, for people, I've got cultures, I've got religions, I've got like basically uh, like a Wikipedia type thing. Now, the problem with that is when you start to get articles that link to each other in Scrivener, that becomes impractical. So um, another world-building um, enthusiast introduced me to the concept of making your own wiki. And it's, it's basically Wikipedia. It's the same um, engine. Uh, you need to have your own website uh, and hosting. Usually it comes built in with uh, web hosting when you, when you put your website up. And uh, so for me, I have it installed under the subdomain. Uh, it's sort of a subdomain on my website. And whenever I go there, I can log in and I can create pages and, and you organize it sort of like your own Wikipedia universe. Mm -hmm. Very neat process. Yeah. Um, it's it's dangerous because, I mean, we've I'm sure we've all heard the term world builder's disease. So um, I actually do very little world building. I make it up as I go. Um, and so I find that there's things, though, that I know I'm going to need to dig into Probably in later drafts of A Thousand Roads, I'll go back in, and as I comb over, I'll actually start to formalize things a little more and then tweak the manuscript accordingly. Um, but it's it's a really useful tool if you just have to organize your information. That's more of a fantasy writer thing. I suppose any kind of, when you've got a, a fictional universe, you could probably use a it wiki for, for that as well like any genre if you're writing a yeah. romance series it could help keep all your characters yeah. in place. Oh, yeah. continuity i mean having a wiki for continuity is huge a wiki is that's that's the beauty of it it's uh you're allowed you're able to it's not necessarily i mean you can organize things like a tree mm -hmm. but everything can interlink that's yeah. the beauty of the wiki you can drop a link in the middle and then you can create the article for it or a wiki is nice, too, because, you know, there's other applications that purport to be able to do that kind of thing, like uh, Evernote, uh, 
yeah. you know, there's another one that I can't, that I can't think of the name, uh, Quip, maybe it's called. Um, but those are all sort of like, those are platforms that you have to sort of learn and get involved with. But wiki, a wiki is like an open source, totally freeform thing. All it does is allow you to create text entries that link to each other. Um, yep. So in a sense, it's very bare bones, but that's what's very powerful about it. Uh, that the the limits of the wiki are such that whatever your limits are, it will match that. But it is ostensibly limitless in what you can provide it. Um, so I think that's a really cool idea. I don't have anything sophisticated enough, I think, that that, f that a wiki would be relevant for. But I think that if I ever do return to my like large-scale epic fantasy, I'll probably need to build a wiki because... Um, I was getting bogged down in minutia because I wasn't remembering how I, like what decisions I'd made about how, you know, groundwater functions, like, and that's a really important thing for this world kind of thing, you know? Um, that's, that's really cool. Um, how, how much time would you say you invest into the wiki? Like you said, you don't, you, you world build as you go along, but how difficult is it for you to, to manage it? Well, to give you a sense of much time I've put in I've been, I've been working on a thousand roads since every day since January I don't think I've put in much time at all I've, I've deliberately avoided it because I know when I dive into this thing it's going to eat my time so I'm just I mean I have the wiki bill I've 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 gone in on like a you know a Saturday afternoon and played around or I got excited and wrote an article just to kind of get a feel for it and learn the, the medium mm -hmm. um, but I haven't really done anything formal my plan is probably fifth or sixth draft at some point like when i'm getting to the place where the revisions i'm doing i'm spending a lot more time reading and reflecting i'm gonna kind of strategically go through the entire manuscript and everywhere i have a name i'm gonna toss that into the wiki and i'm not necessarily going to write an article for every term but at least get a sense of the pieces and then fill in accordingly so um that that i would count as writing time that's going to be a targeted word sure. count ask um but i well, don't really do on the that inside when uh when you become like a powerful writing guru who has a following they can manage your wiki for you that would be nice to have somebody <laughs> <laughs> well, your fans yeah. will manage your wiki although that said um i mean where i would like help is if I had some like people that know they're a little more sophisticated with the coding and the graphics, that would be cool. But I think that regardless of if they're, you know, whatever kind of fan base builds around the books, I'd probably still want to write the wiki because there's something about that process. Like mm -hmm. you were talking about the beauty of writing by hand. And as you're talking, I'm thinking about, um, there's two things I do. I draw maps with pen and I also create languages and I do that by hand. I don't do that in a computer because there's an artistic piece to that. There's an artistic form of the storytelling that, that comes out. Likewise with writing the wiki, it's a storytelling mode. It's a different, it's an alien-year storytelling, mm. or I guess non, that's not a word, non-linear storytelling mode. And there's something about the marriage between those things that, that it grows the story. Whereas, you know, if I sort of just, I don't want to, write this wiki i'll let fans fill it in the thing about that is most of that is the fans are combing the books and they're writing what they know but you don't have the advantage of the writer going over it and thinking a little deeper and it's kind of like if somebody asked me about this these nuggets from a book it's like what do they mean well they're only going to be able to speculate whereas if i go in and, and i talk about it i'm going to say more than what showed up in sure. the book absolutely and then 
that process will inform the book and I might make a revision to it. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of why I want to use the world building as a as a boost for like later later revisions. Yeah. Um so we are uh just about at time here. Um so unless there are any closing thoughts, I, I think we ought to uh get ahead to our recommendation for our listeners. Mm-hmm. Which I believe John had, because I made a suggestion but he had a much better one. Okay, well, well, I guess we didn't really talk too much about all the Scrivener tools. The Scrivener is like a endless. It's kind of like world building. You can get yeah. lost. Um, but if you really like structure and you like outlining, um, there's a uh, author named K. M. Wieland. Uh, we'll, I guess, we'll have her link in the in the liner notes. Um, but she does a lot of um, craft books, writer self help books on structuring your novel and and various related aspects her website is called helpingwritersbecomeauthors.com and we'll put a link to that if you go there and sign up to her newsletter she has a free template for scrivener that you can download and this thing is souped right up like it's it's made to be easily accessible and you go from top to bottom um you can kind of uh break it down the basic outline sketch your characters she goes all the way right down to all the different um divisions of the uh, i guess the three scene or three act play structure of story um but then breaks that down into all the different turning points so so it's something to play around with if you're if that interests you even if you're a discovery writer it's i mean you can always just put your manuscript somewhere else and use these tools however you want yeah or you can discovery write your way through that thing, probably. I mean, yeah. as well, we've said it. in those discovery versus plotting episodes, it's everything is discovery writing, just at different stages. Yeah. Um, so... I personally like having like a, a thing to start with, and then mm-hmm. I can just break the rules and do whatever I want. But it totally. gives you a point. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so maybe what we'll do in a future episode is we'll talk a little bit more about Scrivener and how we use it, uh, because people use it... Uh, in a wide variety of ways. It is an incredibly feature-rich uh, application, almost too feature-rich in, in many respects, because as John uh, mentioned, you can really get lost in there uh, from things like organizing the way uh, the way different text files are treated to color-coding things to uh, taking different snapshots and comparing versions of, of your writing to... There's just... it It is... It is one of the most feature-rich applications I've ever seen. Uh, so maybe we'll, we'll take um, a half hour to focus on that in the future sometime. Uh, but, but that being said, uh, we're going to put it in the liner notes, helpingwritersbecomeauthors.com, sign up for the newsletter, and you'll get K.M. Whelan's uh, Scrivener template. Um, but that is where we're going to stop talking about our toolboxes for now. Thank you, podcasters, for joining me. Thank you, listeners, for joining us. And we will catch you next time.